Go ahead, baby. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Good job. Good job. Thank you. Amen. Glad to see everybody in the house of God this morning. Hallelujah. Glad to have Samuel with us. He's retired military. And I thank God for that. Amen. We need to salute our service men and women. They sacrifice more than we can imagine. Amen. Hallelujah. And let's also keep his wife in prayer. She's in the Philippines and she'll be arriving next Monday. So let's keep her in prayer for traveling mercies. Amen. Yeah. Let's just go before the throne of uh, grace again before we get started. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I just want to decrease so that you can increase this morning. Father God, Lord, I want to speak as an oracle of you this morning, Father God, Lord, and just allow the words and the meditations of my heart to be acceptable in your sight this morning, Father God, Lord. We need to hear from heaven. Lord, we need to hear from you, Father God. We need to get stirred to action this morning. Father God, Lord, we need to be conformed to your image this morning, Father God, Lord. There's no other way, Father God. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, and just set us on fire this morning, Father God, that people will come and watch us burn, Lord. Father God, you're a consuming fire, Lord, and let us let us catch a blaze this morning, Father, and we just give you the praise, glory, and honor in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Also, my wife, Keisha, she hasn't given birth yet, but she's due at any moment. Any minute. It literally can happen during service this morning. So if you guys see me jump down from the pulpit, you know what's going on. So it might be a little bit too much excitement for Sunday morning, right? <laughs> so uh, this morning we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Hallelujah. And this was a, a Holy Spirit inspired message. Uh, I had a completely different message and the Holy Spirit stirred this in me a few days ago. And I've been working on this message ever since. And such an important, uh, important week to celebrate. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one to three. Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy 
that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. How many know we're in a race this morning? Amen. And we're in need of endurance this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. And we're in need of looking unto Jesus this morning. You know, if you look to Jesus, you don't look to problems. Amen. How many know Jesus is bigger than anything we can ever be going through? Amen. Amen. How many know that the name of Jesus is above every other name? Amen. Amen. And so we got to start with Jesus and we got to end with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to talk about an individual that was a part of this great cloud of witnesses, the saints that's gone before us. And it's a man that's almost forgotten by church history. That's almost forgotten in this day and age. But we owe a tremendous debt to this man this morning. A tremendous debt. That man, his name is um, William Tyndale. This week... We celebrate 500 years since we've had the English Bible. How many know that this Bible came to us through blood? Yes, it did. Through sacrifice. Yes. Jesus. Hallelujah. And this word ought to become precious to us this morning. Yes. This word and Jesus himself ought to become the object of our affection this morning. There's only two things that we can do with the word of God, and that's believe it and behave it. Yes. Hallelujah. So I want to look at this great man of God this morning and just the way that the Lord used them. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about being dead yet speaketh. There's men and women that's gone before us that God has used mightily that we're still reaping the benefits from today. And so we'll start into the story. So William Tyndale was the man who translated the Bible into English and was burnt alive at the ridiculous young age of 42 years old. For his efforts. And you can read more about him in Fox's Book of Martyrs. And there's also another book called Martyr's Mirror. So in the autumn of 1535, the English Bible translator William Tyndale awaited his fate in Vilvador Castle named Brussels, near Brussels, charged with heresy by the Roman Catholic authorities, he was ill, cold, and alone in his cell. Can't even imagine what that was like. And it wasn't a prison system like we have today where you get three hots and a cot, amen? These were dungeons and hard places to be at. 
like the Apostle Paul and other saints that's went before us. So during his life, he had translated the New Testament and the five first book books of the Bible into English, given England its first translation from the original languages. Wycliffe's earlier English translation had been from Latin. But Tyndale still had work to do even while he was imprisoned. The rest of the Old Testament laid ahead. So he wrote a letter to the prison governor requesting his Hebrew Bible, Hebrew grammar books and a Hebrew dictionary as well as warmer clothing to help him endure the coming winter. That reminds me of Paul when he told Timothy to make sure to bring the cloak. Winter was approaching. Perhaps understanding the futility of his request, but trusting in God, he had come to know through translating his words Tyndale concluded his letter, but if any other decision has been taken concerning me, I will be patient, abiding the will of God. Amen. We're in need of endurance this morning. We need to stay on track this morning. Amen. No matter what lot befalls us in this life, we need to stay on track. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So nearly 500 years ago this week, William Tyndale, fondly called the father of the English Bible, was strangled and burnt at the stake after being tried and convicted of heresy and treason for translating the Bible into English. His only offense, one offense was he translated the Greek Bible into English. What was happening during that time historically was the Roman Catholic Church had the Latin Vulgate Bible and they made a decree that you could not translate it from the original text, but they themselves had translated it from the Hebrew and Greek text into Latin. What hypocrisy. We have a Bible in a language we can all read largely due to his labors. And many of the very phrases you read in it retain the flavor of his understanding of the Greek and Hebrew. A graduate of Oxford and Cambridge, Tyndale had a powerful desire to make the Bible available even to the common people in England. In order to correct the biblical ignorance of the priests. At one point, Tyndale told a priest passionately that if God spares my life before many years pass, I will cause a boy that driveth the plow shall know more of the scriptures than thou doest. And you know what? I like that old Elizabethan language. 
I know we don't use it anymore. One word I like in it in particular is the Holy Ghost. The way they used to translate it was the Holy Guest. Oh, amen. And I like that. Amen. You have to be holy in order to get the guest to come in. Amen. Come on now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So today, 90% of the King James Version of the Bible and 75% of the Revised Standard Version are from the translation made by Tyndale. A man to whom you owe more than you'll ever know. You know, we're going to, I don't want to get it too ahead of myself, but when they caught him, finally, they strangled him and that didn't kill him. And even after he was burnt at the stake, they blew his body up, the remains, and buried everything and buried every single translation of the Bible that was in print at that time. How many know you can't be a Christian and a coward at the same time? That it takes courage to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a shame it is to be lukewarm in this day and age. Hallelujah. A nice dream, but how was Tyndale to accomplish his task? When translating the Bible into English was illegal at the time. How many know it's better to obey God than man? Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. We ought to obey the law. But when the law goes against the word of God, we ought to obey the word of God. Hallelujah. So he went to London to ask Bishop Tunsil if he could be authorized to make an English translation of the Bible. But the bishop would not grant his approval. However, Tyndale would not let the disapproval of men stop him from carrying out what seemed so obviously God's will. How many know we got to stay on track when you know that God has told you something? You can't turn to the right or to the left, amen? You can't get discouraged. We got to press on this morning. With encouragement and support of some British merchants, he decided to go to Europe to complete his translation then have it printed and smuggled back into England. They had to smuggle Bibles in. Just imagine that. And that's still happening today. See, we look at things from a Western point of view when we look at Christianity. But Christianity is all around the world. And there's people to this day that don't have access to the Bibles and they have to smuggle them in. There's one story about a, a guy named Brother Andrew that was... Uh, used mightily of God behind the Iron Curtain before it fell, and he would smuggle in Bibles, and he would. This was his prayer. He said, "Lord, I know that you were able to make the blind see, and I'm asking that you make the people with sight blind, so I can get these Bibles in." And not once was he ever caught. Amen. That's how great our God is. He can open the eyes of the blind and he can also close 
eyes as well. Amen. Hallelujah. So in 1524, Tyndale sailed for Germany. In Hamburg, he worked on the New Testament. And in Cologne, he found a printer who would print the work. You know, around this time, um, Gutenberg was just coming out with the printing press. And, you know, when they used to print stuff back then, they had to put it in reverse so it could come forward. Imagine the, the painstaking task of writing books and translating things back then. The ease of, of technology that we have. It's hard to imagine it, but it took some serious work. There's power in the printing press. There was a poll years ago that talked about gospel literature or literature in general. And the United States fell number five in slot for producing gospel literature. Number one, the Communist Manifesto, the little red book. The communists made sure that every single person on the planet had access to that book. But Christians here in the United States fell last were producing gospel literature. How many know there's power in the printing press? Amen. Hallelujah. However, news of Tyndale's activity came to an opponent who had the press raided. Tyndale himself managed to escape with the pages already printed and made his way to the German city Worms, where the New Testament was soon published. 6,000 copies were printed and smuggled into England. The bishops did everything they could to eradicate the Bibles. Who else would do that but Satan himself? But enemies of God. Bishop Tunsil had copies um, ceremoniously burnt at St. Paul's. The Archbishop of Canterbury brought up copies to destroy them. Tyndale used the money to print improved editions. So do you see God's providence in that? So they thought that they were taking the word of God off the streets by buying them all up and having them cremated. But in actuality, it was providing more funds for Tyndale to make better, improved versions. Amen. That's the providence of God. So Tyndale continued hiding among the merchants in Anthorpe and began translating the Old Testament while the king's agents searched all over England and Europe for him. There was one man in particular that wanted to have Tyndale killed. Called the man a dog, called the man all sort of names. Can you imagine working under these sort of circumstances? Under this sort of, of, of pressure. How many know we, we need scholarship on fire back in the church, amen? amen? Hallelujah. We need to know history. We need to know how we got this precious word this morning. Amen. Yes. You know, the word of God is so precious to my heart. Yes. Ever since I've been a teenager, the word of God's been so precious. Amen. And it says, how can a young man keep his ways clean and pure? Amen. 
by hiding the word of God in our hearts. Amen. The word of God has everything that pertains to life and godliness. Hallelujah. I can't stand the modern day compromise that's happening now of the word of God. Insult and doing injury to the word of God. What a shame. Hallelujah. So a copy of Tyndale's The Obedience of a Christian Man fell into the hands of King Henry VIII, providing the king with the rationale to break the church in England from the Roman Catholic Church in 1534. In 1535, Tyndale was arrested and jailed in the castle of Ilvador, Fildor, outside Brussels for over a year. They say about 18 months of time in a dungeon, alone, cold. Only person you have then is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And he's promised to never leave us or forsake us. He's, he's an ever-present help. He's a strong tower that the righteous can run to and be safe. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen. Hallelujah. So Tyndale's work was denounced by authorities of the Roman Catholic Church and Tyndale was accused of heresy. Tyndale, 42 years old, young now was finally found by an Englishman who pretended to be his friend, but then turned him over to the authorities. He had a Judas come into his life. What a shame, amen? So after a year and a half in prison, he was brought to trial for heresy for translating the Holy Bible into English. In August 1536, he was condemned and was executed, burned alive at the stake publicly on October 6, 1536, in a small town in Belgium. As he burnt to death, Tyndale reportedly said, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. What a tremendous prayer. What will our last words be? Will we have that kind of fervency in our hearts, even to those who persecute us? Was his prayer answered? Yes. The prayer was answered first in part when three years later, in 1539, King Henry VIII required every parish church in England to make a copy of the English Bible available to his parishioners. Today, Tyndale's prayer is fully answered. Not only are the king's eyes opened, but the Bible has become universal. Amen. This is the, the greatest selling book, quote unquote, in history. Voltaire, a French atheist, said a hundred years ago that in a hundred years, the only place that you would find this book is in a museum. 
The Bible has a way of making itself next to the grave of those that tried to put it down. Amen. <laughs> and you know what actually happened to the man? His house was bombed <laughs> and they turned it into a, a Bible publishing center. So let's be careful what we say. Amen. God has a way of confounding the wisdom of the wise. <laughs> Amen. In 1611, the, 15, the 54 scholars who produced the King James Bible drew significantly from Tyndale, as well as from translations that descended from his. In 2002, Tyndale was placed at number 26 in the BBC's poll of the 100 greatest Britons. But in heaven, he surely deserves much greater than that. A very important and interesting piece of history worth knowing and appreciating by all believers. And may it challenge us to spend quality time in the same glorious book that this great servant literally gave his life for. What will the gospel cost us this morning? Amen. Yes. There's a lot of live your best life now garbage being taught. But what will God require of you this morning? Can you see your whole career crucified? Can you see your whole agenda being put aside for what the will of God is? Are we willing to forsake all for Jesus this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today is hard to imagine the world without an English Bible, but before Tyndale, it had never happened. He's known as the father of the English Bible. Since the latter, the highly significant work of the King James Version of the Bible largely consisted of Tyndale scholarly and accessible translations. The English language as with scholarly understanding, continues to evolve. And so the work of Bible translation continues today. But without the courage and genius of men like Tyndale, who challenged the status quo before them and died for doing so, it might never have been possible. The work was not finished when Tyndale was martyred. He had only finished the first five books of the Old Testament in Hebrew. There was still much work to be done from Joshua to Malachi. The rest of the work was finished by a man named John Rogers. John Rogers was actually a Catholic priest when he first met Tyndale in the home that he was hiding out in order to translate the Bible. You know, he went about 10 years of hiding, going from place to place, 
so that they would not catch him and kill him to produce us what we have today. Amen. Not something to take lightly at all. How many of us would have that kind of courage to use everything that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Hallelujah. So it was through this friendship that Rogers started listening to the doctrine of Tyndale. Soon Rogers would would renounce the Catholic faith and turn to Jesus Christ for salvation. After his conversion, he continued to grow in the faith, although he would not be able to sever himself fully from the popery until after Tyndale's death. One thing that certainly strengthened his faith was watching Tyndale, his friend, die for his faith and his work as a translator of the English Bible. Soon after Tyndale's martyrdom, Rogers met a woman named Adriana D. Waden. They married and moved to Wettenberg. In God's providence, as Tyndale was finally located and arrested in the home of Thomas Ponce, although his property was confiscated, his translation work of the Old Testament found its way in the possession of the hands of John Rogers. The details are unclear as to how Rogers ended up with this great treasure, but we can be sure it was nothing short of God's meticulous providence. Nothing can stop the Lord, amen? So Rogers dedicated himself to completing the work of his friend, William Tyndale. Two years later, in the year 1537, after working under a fictitious name, Thomas Matthew, the work was finished. The first printed English Bible of the Old and New Testaments translated from the original biblical languages was now complete. The first complete Bible to be printed in the English language taken from the original biblical languages had now been licensed by the king. The dying prayer of William Tyndale had been answered. Lord, open the king of England's eyes. Over time, John Rogers would continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ His positions, his doctrine, and his work was not appreciated by the Roman Catholic Church. After Queen Mary I came to power, the pressure was intensified upon anyone who preached and taught in opposition to the Roman Catholic Church. John Rogers was eventually arrested and sentenced to be burnt at the stake. In 1555, as he was being led to the stake, 
his family was there on the street at Smithfield, among other witnesses. As he passed by his family, he saw his youngest of 11 children for the first time as they marched him to the stake. And they came to Rogers and said, we're going to give you one chance to recant. One chance to turn away from what you've been doing. And can you imagine that scene with his wife and all 11 children lined up and a newborn baby, which he had never seen until this point? What a scene to imagine. According to John Fox and his famous work known as the Fox's Book of Martyrs, John Rogers stood firm when asked to recant of his doctrine. Mr. Woodruff, one of the sheriffs, first came to Mr. Rogers and asked him if he would revoke, revoke his abominable doctrine and the evil opinion of the sacrament of the altar. Mr. Rogers answered, that which I have preached, I will seal with my blood. What a testimony. Woodrow replied, then you are a heretic. That will be known on the day of judgment. I think Mr. Woodrow was very wrong. Amen. In short time, this faithful Christian Bible translator, husband and father was gone. Rogers was the first martyr under the reign of Queen Mary the first. Also known in history as Bloody Mary. So if you visit London today, you will find a small plaque on the wall outside of St. Bartholomew's Hospital. The plaque reads beginning with the arch above the plaque, these words. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. The noble army of martyrs praise thee. On the plaque beneath the ark, it reads, within a few feet of this spot, John Rogers, John Bradford, and John Philip, and other servants of God, suffered death by fire for the faith of Christ in the years 1555, 1556, and 1557. So what was it about Tyndale's translation that made the Roman Catholic authority so angry and wanted to kill this man and deemed him as a heretic? His translation of five Greek words enormously angered his enemies, especially Thomas More. And that's the man that, uh, quote unquote, St. Pope Francis said that he was the big saint of all the politics. But this man was no saint. This man sought to kill these men. And he would actually, he at his house, he had 
torturous machines to kill Christians. This was no saint of God. In each case, his translation was absolutely accurate to the Greek. He translated the Greek word presbyteros as elder, whereas the church had ours translated as priest. That's where we have elders. Pastors are elders. Amen. Not priests. He translated agape as love, where the church had ours had it as charity. Given. To them, it just meant given to the church. If you give enough money, you'll make it into heaven. That's a lie. God don't care about your money. He cares about your soul. He wants your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. He translated Ecclesia as congregation, whereas the church had had it as church, that they were the final authority in England, that their word was final. But how many know that the word of God is final? Yeah, amen. amen. Yeah. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Lord said, my word will never pass That's away. Right. The grass withers and the flower fades, but my word abides forever. Right. It's King Jesus on the throne. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And he translated exomomo as acknowledge where the church used confess. That's where they got this confession at, where you could do whatever you want and just go confess it on a Tuesday. Doesn't line up with the Bible, amen? Above all, he translated the Greek word metapotamo as repent. Metapotamo is a classical and New Testament Greek word meaning a change in the mind. It means that sort of complete change that can come over people's minds and and change the direction of their lives. The Latin church had always translated that word and other means as do penance. Now, to do penance involves paying money. So they didn't want the New Testament to be saying repent. That's where they would teach, you know, if somebody died and they weren't right with the Lord, they would go to purgatory and be in between. And if your family had enough money, they can pay and get each body part into heaven, which that is heresy. Amen. (laughs) There's no such thing as purgatory. Hebrews 9, 27 says it's appointed for man to die once and then the judgment. It's either heaven or hell. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if you look in Luke 17, verses three to four, Christ says, repent. When Jesus began his ministry, it wasn't do penance. It was repent. In Acts 237, the people asked Peter. And the apostles, what shall we do to be saved? The Greek in verse 38 says, repent. The Roman Catholic Church, however, says do penance. Like I said, God wants you. Amen. So this is so important to realize because the Latin language was not true to the original Greek text. 
That is where real heretics like Augustine, who was connected to the Roman Catholic Church and didn't even know Greek, but now he's considered this great scholar today and didn't even know the Greek language. But only Latin has corrupted most of modern day theology with his false heresies of original sin, the penal substitution theory, imputed righteousness, total depravity, as well as his Eastern philosophies of Manichaeism and Neoplatoism. That's what's crept into the house of God today. Most of what's being taught is Manichaeism, an Indian philosophy that taught that man was sinful just because we walk on the earth. That man was sinful just because we wave our arms. And that's rubbish. That is not Bible. And Neoplatoism, Plato was no Christian, amen? amen? And this is the kind of garbage that's being taught for most churches today. That's the reason every Sunday I come here and I teach the true word of God, amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to catch fire here. We're going to we're going to catch on fire with the word of God actually says. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the reason we must bring our Bibles. How do you know if somebody isn't deceiving you? That's why most people are deceived today, because they're not reading their Bibles. Amen. Hallelujah. Nazism. Modern day Calvinism and so on. And we're going to go over a lot of these things as well. But um. So, which most churches teach, not realizing that this stuff is actually anti-Bible. It's philosophy. It's vain philosophy. It's come from real heretics. Amen. And so we're here to battle these erroneous doctrines with the true word of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So it is so important to know church history and why we believe what we believe. Ignorance is not bliss. Hosea 4, 7, my people perish because of the lack of knowledge. Yes. We are to become intelligent in our view towards God. Amen. Yes. Amen. He made us with an intellect for a reason, to know him personally. Yes. And he's given us his written word to know him intimately. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So ignorance is not bliss and is, and is actually deadly to the soul. So now let's look at God's precious word. So mankind has truly been blessed by God with the gift of his precious word. I wouldn't trade this word for anything. Amen. Mm. Nothing in this world in this life is worth trading the word of God for. <laughs> Our appreciation for the scriptures should be expressed as we daily Study God's word. The people of Berea demonstrated the attitude which should be possessed by every Christian. In Acts 17, 11, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Abel? And now... Most pastors will not sit down with you and go over the word of God with you. I'm willing to give an account for every word that I speak. Amen. Because I have to give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ for it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
So our personal Bible study should produce a sincere desire for obedience. It's, it, it doesn't matter how smart a man may become. He is still ignorant if he does not know and obey the word of God. Daniel Webster, the man that created our dictionary, said that without the Bible, education was useless. And what do we see happening now in our so-called education system? They're indoctrinating people out of this word. That's the reason we need the word of God back in the home and we need the word of God back in the church. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. You go to school to learn not to be indoctrinated. Hallelujah. So we never outgrow our need for God and his revelation. What a mistake people make by not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. Jesus answered in Matthew 29, Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, and said unto them, ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees only had head knowledge, but they didn't have heart knowledge. They didn't want to be intimate with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So I don't want to just relay information, but revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. God's word is precious because it is God's greatest book. There are many reasons why the Bible is the world's greatest book. The Bible is not just a net of book. The Bible is God's truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John chapter 17, verse 17. And the great men of God and women of God that's come centuries before us. Oh, such a great, such a great debt to Tyndale for the English Bible and to be able to properly and rightly divide the word of God. And, you know, the thing about it was they all had the same Bible as we do. They didn't have a bigger Bible. They didn't have a bigger God. They just used it better. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible is the timeliest and most useful book ever penned. It tells man how to live on earth and how to go to heaven when he dies. And have an intimate relationship with him now. Because our ultimate goal is not heaven. We're going to get there one day. But our ultimate goal is to know him and to know the power of his resurrection now. Amen. God created us for personal, intimate relationship. He's not mysterious. He's not hiding. The deists teach that God made the world and then just abandoned it. No, that's not the God we serve. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Amen. God wants to be close and intimate with us. And we could draw nigh to him this morning. As I already say, you're as close to God as you want to be this morning. Amen. And you're as far away as you want to be this morning. Hallelujah. There have been many people who have been opposed to the Bible 
We have to see the, the precious word of God has come down from heaven, still remains the best seller from year to year. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away. We know that for sure. But my words will by no means pass away. Yes. What a precious promise we have. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yes. And we can rely on the word of God that it doesn't change. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. God's word is precious because it's given by inspiration. The very words of the Bible were given by God. Amen. We can read and believe the Bible without having to fear that any part of it is untrue or uninspired. Amen. Peter said in 2 Peter 1.21 that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We need some men and women that's going to be moved by the Holy Ghost and this generation to speak for God. Amen. Hallelujah. So God empowered holy men to write this book we know as the Bible. Paul taught the same truth about the inspired scriptures. He said in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So you want to be equipped this morning, get into the word of God. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the apostles and prophets delivered the message they had received from God. Do not doubt God's word. Believe and obey his truth this morning. God's word is precious because it is complete without any addition or subtraction. Many add to and take away from God's word. God warned against such tampering with his truth. For through the apostle John, he said in Revelations 22 verses 18 and 19, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, Amen. from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. What a scary thought. By inspiration of God, Paul also gave warnings about changing God's precious word. In Galatians chapter one, verse eight and nine, he says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I say now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you, then you have received, let him be accursed. What a strong warning that is, amen? amen. 
James 3 and 1 says, be not many teachers or masters knowing that you shall receive the greater condemnation. And one day we're going to, at the Bema seat, at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to give an account for every deed done in the body and for every idle word that was spoken. Amen. That ought to keep us sober minded. Amen. Christ minded. Amen. Word minded. Hallelujah. So dealing with the word of God is a serious matter because heaven and hell are involved. A person's salvation is involved. Amen. And there's nothing more precious on this side of eternity that you can handle than the human soul. Amen. So a false gospel leads to condemnation instead of salvation. God doesn't desire for any man to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So we need to be able to relate the word of God to those that need it. Amen. Hallelujah. So finally, but not least, God's word is precious because it is God's powerful salvation message. God's truth has the power to save all who will believe and obey it. Paul said in Romans chapter one, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. How many know we can't be ashamed of him this morning? Amen. He said, if you're ashamed of me in front of men, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my father. But if you confess me before men, I will also confess you before my father, which is in heaven. Amen. Amen. So our goal is to know him and to make him known this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if one is to be made free from sin, he must know to know the truth because because it is the truth which makes you free. Yes. Amen. John 8, 31 and 32 says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to continue being my disciple, then, you know, you'll know the truth. Amen. Yes. You'll continue in my truth. Amen. And the truth will make you free. John 8, 36, whom the son sets free is free indeed. There's no real freedom outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. True freedom is on the inside. Amen. And I and I spent quite a bit of time being the director at a drug rehab center. And every soul that ever made it out there was free because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's no freedom outside of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Real freedom, at least. So freedom is on the inside. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we're actually now in the process of uh, starting a recovery home here in Wasilla to try to be of service to the community and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And we're actually going to be bringing my brother-in-law up here. And uh, he's been uh, by his own choosing and drug addiction and we spoke to him yesterday on on the facebook messenger or video chat and you know he he had an old bible of mine that i left back in indiana and he showed it to me in the video chat and there was an old note i guess i wrote years ago and it, it was entitled the dangers of looking back yeah. 
And he said when he read that, it shook him to his core. And he's ready to come to full repentance. And he's ready to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what it's all about this morning. Amen. Yes. Souls. Souls. Hallelujah. So we're going to be bringing, up, bringing him up here to Alaska to give him an opportunity to be discipled and to get right with the Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're here to serve in Alaska. We want to see people made free. Amen. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So not only will the truth save a soul, but it will keep him in the pathway of righteousness. Amen. Hallelujah. This great truth is taught in the powerful 19th Psalm. In Psalms 19, verse uh, 7 to 11, the psalmist said, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, your servant is warned and in keeping them, there is great reward. Amen. Amen. You'll never regret serving God this morning. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul this morning? Hallelujah. Word of God is all we need this morning. Hallelujah. Worth way more than gold, silver, or any sort of precious stones. Buy the truth and sell it not, amen? Don't compromise. Keep the word pure. Amen. Hallelujah. So God's word is precious and it must be obeyed. We read in Revelations twenty-two fourteen, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. The Bible is a book for all purposes. It provides comfort for one in sorrow, encouragement for the one who is in despair. It provides strength for one who is weak and gives hope to the one who is lost. The Bible can meet our every need. God's precious word also has an answer to all our questions. Yes, yes. The scriptures tell us how to live and how to die. They show us where man came from, his purpose for being here, and where he is going when he dies. The Bible is man's roadmap from earth to heaven. And I've heard somebody say, I don't know who said it, but when they said B I B. L-E, that it was basic instructions before leaving earth. And I like that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So it is the same word which will judge us in the last day. 
John 12, 48, Jesus.